Father, uh, we do thank you that we are family, that we're gathered together, and it's not just to come on Sunday to feel good about going to church. It's come to be a part of something that's much bigger, much more eternal, much more significant than anything else we could devote our time and lives to. It's to be the family of God, the following you on mission. And today, as we talk about that, I, I pray that you would just impress upon our hearts the, with crystal clarity what our mission really is and how we can participate in that mission. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. So we've been using this phrase. I've said it several times already. You fill in the blank. Learning, this is us, is about learning to be God's family on Okay, so you guys weren't listening to anything I just said. Learning to be God's family on what? There you go. Perfect. I knew you heard me. I was just trying to think. Did you not get enough extra sleep last night with that whole extra hour? <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, that's what we're doing because this mission is so important, so significant, eternally significant. That's what This Is Us has been about. We want everybody to understand what this family stands for, what our values are. And why those are important to us. And so throughout this series, we've been looking at different things. And the first thing in the first week, we talked about the multiplication thing that happens. When you're on mission, God continues to add sites and capacity for us so that we can minister to more people. And we don't just have four sites. We have over 40 now. All our small groups are a site. It's pretty awesome. And so God's multiplying. There's always room for more. That happens when you're on mission. God speaks to us and guides us supernaturally. It's awesome. Think about it. We get, to, we get direct communication from the creator of the universe because we're on his mission. He speaks to us and guides and directs our efforts. It's that important. And not only does he, does he communicate with us, but he does miracles. And we talked about that in the third week. We talked about he, him doing amazing things through us. See, we, we can expect miracles. Is that pretty cool? We can pray for them and expect them because we know we're on missions and mi mission and miracles serve the mission all the time. It's pretty amazing. It's awesome. But we also know that there's somebody that's working against this mission. We talked about that one of the weeks where we understand there's a risk because there is a force. There is a power. There are beings that do not want us to be successful on mission. And uh, we have to take a risk, but we know we win in the end anyway. That it, it's really not that big of a risk. And last week we, we talked about conflict. We said there's conflict even in the church. You know, it's like say it's not so, right? Really, you ever experienced any church conflict? Yeah, it's so, it, it's so, because that's one of the tactics the evil one uses, right? To try to keep us from mission. And we say, you know, mostly the conflict's about how we do mission, and we have to put all that aside and say, look, the mission's the most important thing. Let's put our personal preferences below that. Because we are what? We are a family on mission together. So if I ask you this morning what our mission is, is as a church, what would you tell me? What is Trinity's mission? Anybody want to take a shot at that? Yeah, you guys said it. You said it's to look, live, and love like Jesus. That's our mission. And we have to get a crystal clear picture of what that means. In order to do that, let's look at Jesus' words. Very famous passage, the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Jesus' words. He, he's, he's standing in front of his disciples right before he ascends into heaven, and he wants to leave with them with this very clear message. He doesn't want them to miss the reality of what he is going to say and the, and the importance. This is the last thing he says before he ascends into heaven. He starts with these words. He says, all authority. Write that in your sermon notes card. 
All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. If I'm going on mission with the commander, I want the one that has the authority. All right, to marshal the forces of the universe, his, his angels and his power and his strength and his purpose. That's who I want to go on mission with. And the only question is, you know, you don't have to accept Jesus' authority. Do you know that? You can say no to Jesus. You ever done that? I know I have. I said no. I said, oh, yeah, sure, okay, right, Jesus. Jesus says, I just want to remind you, disciples, I have all authority on heaven and in earth. Will you accept it? And will you take this charge I'm about to give you? And the charge, the thing he wants you to do is to go out and do what? Make disciples. He wants you to go, or as you go, Scripture says, really, if you look at, at the original language, as you go through life, keep in mind all the time, this is the challenge, make disciples. Now, what is a disciple? Follower of Christ. That's one great way to think about what it means to be a disciple. See, our mission isn't to grow sites. Our mission isn't to add people or sites. Our mission isn't to make Lutherans. Got a few chuckles out of that. Yeah, it's good. It's not, it's not, it's not the mission, is it? It's to have followers of Christ. Now, here's the thing, and I want you to make sure you understand what it means to be a follower of Christ, because to be a disciple means that you want to be a follower of Christ. You want to be like your teacher. That's why our mission statement, the way we say it at Trinity, is to look, live, and love like Jesus. So not just to know what he knows, but to do what he did. Okay? To live like our teacher, like our rabbi. That's what he would have been called by his disciples. To adopt his lifestyle. Now, I just want to remind you what Jesus did for us. He gave his life. So if you want to look, live, and love like Jesus, what are you saying about your life? You're ready to give it, right? And this is what we're all aspire to and grow into. And I understand we're not perfect and we'll never be fully like Jesus. Not this side. But he's saying, take a step forward. Move. Carry out my mission. He goes on. He says, look here. Let me just make it size it for you here. We're talking about all nations. There are no borders in the kingdom of God. Do you know that? No borders. All nations. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Invite them into the family. Get them there. So they know I love them. That, I, that they know they are forgiven. They can be forgiven. If they accept who I am, they can live forever. Eternity is theirs. But he doesn't stop there with this description of what it means to be a disciple. Look at this. He says, look, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Not some of the things, but all of the things. And why is that important? Well, look, he's telling us what it means to be a disciple. And one of the things it means to be a disciple is to learn everything that Jesus has commanded. And so, look, he's telling us what to do. So that means all disciples make disciples. That's what we should aspire to as a part of the mission. Are you all in on that? Are you making disciples? Is that a priority for you? I know in my life there's been many times where that has not been my priority in life. It's a challenge to, to, to live our lives in our world today and still be able to keep this as the mission clear in our minds. If we don't understand this mission, the target, we will never ever uh, be able to hit it. We'll never know when we get there. And so the idea of mission is so important. Now look at the word that repeats three times in this passage. All authority, all nations, all that I have commanded you. The word all. 
And I want you to get a sense of the size and magnitude and magnificence of this mission. And I, you know, I was always told in uh, seminary, they said, if you really want to understand what the Bible says, you know, you got to go to the original language. You got to go to the Greek. And so I went out and uh, I finally found my old textbooks, <laughs> dusted them off a little bit, you know, opened it up and got dug, dug into because I want to know what all really meant. I mean, really, what does all really, really mean in the Greek, you know, so I can really understand this. You know what it means? It means all. <laughs> There's no mistake in this, okay? There's no mystery about it. It means all. And he's calling us to submit to his authority because he has it all. He's calling us to all nations. There are no borders in his kingdom. He's in his kingdom, and he's calling us to teach all that he has commanded. This is the size of the mission. This is the magnificence of the mission. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger every, every day. This is a live population clock from, uh, that pulls off the Internet. This is real time. This is the number of people in the world. 7,544,543,582 million, million, and counting. Every, two, uh, every second, two and a half new people come onto this planet net in terms of subtracting the numbers who have been born and those who die. This number just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and there are 2.2 billion Christians, people who call themselves Christians anyway. I wonder if they would take the name disciple. Because you know, typically we say to the church, we say, you know, you disciple, right? And if we did that, I mean, every church worker was working hard, they'd have to, they'd have to disciple like over 100 people to reach the unreached people groups. There are 2.2 billion Christians. If all of us took three, guess what? We could reach all. We could get there. We could do this. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. He's saying, look, this is a big mission. And remember that Jesus only discipled 12, and one of those didn't turn out too well. And so it's, it's just reality that this part of being the, in the family is to learn that discipling another person, bringing them into a relation of faith is important. Every eight seconds in our country, in our country, a new child is born. Every 11 seconds, someone dies. Our population numbers are going up here as well. You know, the idea that these new children come in to our world, you know, all the time and they're precious and they're sweet and um, I get to brag on my new grandson. <laughs> Samuel James was born on October 24th. Now when I was holding him for the first time and I was thinking about him as a, as a, as a person, I was realizing that, you know, I'm not going to be here for his whole life. I'm not going to get to see some things that happen in his life. I'm not going to know him for his whole life. And I want to make sure that he's discipled. And I know his parents are going to do it. We'll speak into his life as long as we can. But the key is I, I, don't, I don't want him not to know Jesus. I don't want him not to have the kingdom. I don't want him to have eternal life. And, and so as I'm holding him, I'm feeling this incredible uh, love and responsibility and desire for him to know Jesus. And I'm realizing at that moment, that's exactly how God feels about each one of us. Each one of us. He wants us to know. 
He wants us to receive that love and that gift of eternal life. Here I am, I'm, I'm holding Samuel there, and I was also giving thanks that, you know, he doesn't look exactly like me because he's a lot cuter than I am, that's for sure. I'm getting to be an old man. But I was thinking about this verse. For it gives your, I modified it a little bit, it gives your grandfather great happiness to give you the kingdom. Because it does. It gives, it gives our Father in heaven great happiness when we receive the kingdom. But he's chosen to work through this church. He's chosen to use us to do that. He's put us on mission so that it will happen. And I want you to grasp the reality, the size, the magnificence of this mission, the purpose of it. And ask you the question, are you all in for those alls under God's authority to reach all nations, to teach all things that he commanded? Are you in? Are you all in? We're going to look at a story today of a man who was all in. That's the Apostle Paul. And it's in, uh, we'll be looking at Acts chapter 16. This is a map of his, one of his missionary journeys, his second one. In his first one, he went to the area on the map, if you can find it, it says Galatia. Just up there, kind of in the upper right-hand corner. And he started a bunch of churches because that's what he did because he was all in. He wanted all nations. You know, he didn't stick around in Jerusalem. He traveled by foot 20 miles a day on these missionary journeys. Just imagine that, 1,500 miles for the first trip. His second missionary journey, uh, he decided to go on. You know, just imagine, he's sitting around talking to Barnabas, his, his buddy, his friend on mission. And he says, hey, let's go back. 1,500 miles wasn't enough. The difficulties and the challenges. And so they do, they go back and they check in on all the churches up and around in Galatia. And, and then he says, well, now what am I going to do? Go home and take it easy and get on that couch, Right? No, he doesn't say that. He says, I think I'll go to Asia. And the Holy Spirit says, no, don't go to Asia. And so instead, he ends up over in this city named Troas. And he's there and he has a, a vision. Remember, God speaks to us miraculously. Guides our mission, tells us where to go, what to do, how to do it. And he gets this vision and it's a man. He's over in Macedonia and says, come, come on over. Come on over and help me, help us. And so he decides to go and he goes to this place called Philippi. The first place or the first person he meets in Philippi, in this town, Philippi, is a woman named Lydia. The first ministry that he does. And it's, she's from the city of Thyatira. She's a seller of purple goods who's a worshiper of God. And the Lord opens her heart to pay attention to what was being said by Paul, and she was baptized, and her whole household as well. That's pretty cool, especially when you place it in that time frame, where women are not exactly valued in the same way or thought of in the same way as they are today. That his first convert there in Philippi was a woman. I mean, that was outside the cultural norm that he would be speaking with her. But he was not worried about that because he was all in, because he, he understood all nations. It didn't make any difference. Now, she was probably a Jew because it says she was a worshiper of God. And here's one of the things I want you to understand is that there are a lot of people who say they love God, but they don't know Jesus. They are not saved. Do you really, do you understand that? Have you ever run into that person? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. I believe in God, whatever that God is. The point is that that person is not a disciple of Christ and they are not going to receive the gifts of the promises of the cross. 
so, so you, you know, we can't assume in this mission. We can't slow down. We, can't, we have to ask. We have to talk. We have to go to people we know and say, tell me how you think and what you believe about that. Ask them about heaven and how they hope they get there, to get there. Because this vague notion of God is not enough. We're on mission to tell people about Jesus Christ. Christ crucified on the cross for our sins so that we can have eternal life. But look what happens. The Lord opens her heart. Now, this is the mystery. See, God does this work, but notice who's speaking. It's Paul. Isn't that neat? In other words, we know that it's not just our words. It's just not us going out to do this. It's just not all on us. God's there. But then he chooses to use us as a part of that mission. Are you all in for this mission? It's pretty amazing. And, of course, her family is affected. Her whole household comes to faith. And I want you to think about Paul in heaven today and the people that he celebrates probably daily that are coming out of that, that family tree to heaven. It would never have happened if he wouldn't have gone to Philippi. Second person that he encounters, the story we have in, in the, his trip there, he, he ran across a slave girl. Another person you wouldn't think that he would interact with culturally wouldn't be for a man of his standing to, do, to interact with her, but... They were going to a place of prayer, they write, Paul and Silas, and they were met by a slave girl. She had a spirit of divination. Now, what is a spirit of divination? Let me just park on that for just a minute. Um, you know, there's a lot of people today that seek fortunes and tarot cards and horoscopes and all that kind of stuff. Do you realize that all that is, is meant to misdirect you and that that's from the enemy? Okay, so the enemy wants to misdirect your life, so don't, please don't get involved in that. You want the truth for your life, not that kind of stuff, all right? But this has been going on for a long time, and so she had this spirit of divination, and of course she came up with pronouncements, and she knew things that other people didn't know because she had it, basically she was demon-possessed. And this begins to, um, to wear on Paul and uh, Silas because she's going around, following them around, and, and proclaiming, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. I love the fact that she even knows the mission, right? But she's trying to bring, the, whatever is in her is trying to bring these guys down. He gets frustrated, and uh, after many days, he says, uh, I'm greatly annoyed, turns to the Spirit and says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. So victory is won. The woman is ministered to. The slave is ministered to. She is no longer possessed. Right? And you think, wow, that's, that turned out pretty good. I'm glad she was making all that noise. But what happens next? They get thrown in jail for it. Right? They get thrown in jail. They're dragged before the magistrates into the public square. And, and they're, they're accused. Look at, down at verse 21. They advocate, Paul and Silas, advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. Gosh, that never happens in today's world where the judge proclaims that we can't practice Christianity or say things or believe things or pray at football games or whatever it might be, does it? or speak in uh, uh, public institutions about the name of Christ? That never happens. Oh, yeah, it does. It does, but that wasn't going to stop these guys because why? They're all in. Are you all in? Are we all in? Are we willing to suffer the consequences because they tore their clothes off and started beating them? Hopefully that won't happen to us, but you never know. They're thrown in jail finally. After they had inflicted many blows, they put them in prison, ordering, and write this in your sermon notes, 
Gentile jailer. Now we have a Gentile. We have a woman, a slave, and a Gentile. And Paul has interacted with those three. Just kind of an amazing array of diversity for a Jewish guy to encounter. And, and, he's, and he's, they're there, and they're in stocks. And you can't probably see it, but the little dark figures are rats nibbling at their toes. Remembering that they traveled in difficult situations all the time, but now this is their accommodations for the night. I mean, they're all in. And, and how do they respond to that? I mean, how do they respond to this wonderful night in a jail with rats nibbling at their toes? Well, they, they sing hymns and praise God for it. Because when you're on mission, when you understand it, and you get it, and you know why you're doing it, and you know the internal impact of it, it's like, you know, your mind's on heaven. <laughs> your mind's on what's going to happen in people's lives. You're willing to give yourself to this mission, to be all in. I love this, this uh, verse that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi later. You know, it reminds us of this. Is no matter what's going on, don't be anxious about it, but just pray. Uh, supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, so the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus, because you know you're a victor already, that you're not a victim, you're a, you're, you're a victor in Christ, you have victory in Christ, you're going to live forever, and that hope sustains us through whatever junk we go through here on earth. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. You can have that perspective when you're all in and on mission. It's pretty amazing. So I don't know what they prayed for, but they got an earthquake. And the, and the shackles fell off. And the stocks were opened. And the doors of the prison flew open. And so there they had it. They were probably thinking, we're, this is our escape. We are out of here, right? We're going to get out of here. This is good that we would get out. Well, Here's the thing. The jailer woke up, saw that the prison doors were open. He's going to fall on his sword because guess what? A Roman guard would be killed if he let his prisoners go. And so just at that moment, Paul has to make the decision, do I stay or do I go? Remember the song? Do I stay or do I go? And it'd be much better probably in Paul's mind or in my mind that I'd run. I'd get out of there now. Paul doesn't do that. Paul doesn't do that. He says, he said, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. And the jailer called for lights. He goes in and he fell in fear before Paul and Silas. You see, people ask these questions, these big questions when their earth shakes. And that's what the jailer did. He said, what do, what, what do I have to do to receive what you have? And in our world today, you know, the earth shakes all the time, doesn't it? I mean, there's stuff going on all the time. There's news reports and the earth shakes. And what is our response in that moment? Do we have the confidence that people say, well, what do, what do I do to get what you have in that moment? Do we stick around for a conversation to talk about our faith in that moment so people will know how strong our foundation is and nothing can shake us as Christians? That's the decision Paul made. He stayed. He didn't go. He stayed because he had a chance now to witness to this jailer. When the earth shakes, people ask big questions. Will we be there? That's the question for us. Are we all in? Are we ready to talk about our faith? 
Well, they tell them, believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved, you and your household. Salvation is available for you, you can believe. And, and it, it, they didn't stop there. They didn't just say, we want to convert. They actually discipled both the jailer and his whole household. They taught them about Jesus, about what it means to follow Jesus, about how to be a disciple. And uh, this is really cool because later Paul writes about this distinction. There is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles. They're all the same. It's, it's you know, everyone who calls on the Lord of the, uh, will be saved. The name of the Lord will be saved. He writes that, and he's already lived it in Philippi. He's already gone to diff people who are much different than he is. And then he begins to, in this section of Scripture, he asks a bunch of questions. They're really important questions because they imply an answer that involves us. How can they, how can anyone call on the name, on his name, to save them unless they believe on him? And how can they believe on him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And that's our job. Not just to serve and love and provide food. All those things are great. To have worship services. They, they need to hear about Jesus. And that's our job. We need to be able to articulate that well. Every one of us as a disciple can do that. That's our goal. That's our mission. So when we look at what happens, then he gets baptized. He and his whole family are baptized and they celebrate with a big party and food. It's awesome. And once again, I think of Paul in heaven interacting with the family and the children and the grandchildren because of what happened. He went to some place where people are different. He didn't let that stop him. He wasn't comfortable, but he still was on mission. Are we in for Jesus' mission? Are we ready to do that? One of the things that makes this most uh, interesting to me is that in early Judaism, in early Judaism, there's a prayer that men said. So this is the culture, right? We don't know exactly when it started. Maybe Paul even learned this prayer as a Pharisee. Remember, he was a Pharisee. He was a Jewish guy. And there's this early prayer that they pray. In fact, they still pray it today, believe it or not. And men pray it. All right? So men, this is, a, this is the prayer of a man. This is what they pray. Thank God that I am not a Gentile, a woman, or a slave. Isn't it great that God gave us those stories? Paul going, and he's dealing with a Gentile, a woman, and a slave. Just to show us that there are no borders in his kingdom. And give us a clear picture of that. That was his mission. That was his mission. That's what they encountered. And now we know there are no borders in God's kingdom. You know, uh, God calls us to be, to be very purposeful. This is lightning, slow motion lightning. And do you notice how it changes direction all the time? How it just goes any direction? Have you ever watched lightning as it does that? It spiders out through this night sky. Why does it do that? Why does lightning go just all these random directions? Because it's following the path of least resistance. So the, the place that has the most conductivity, that's where the, it goes. And, and so, you know, we, we have to ask ourselves, is that our life? Are we following the path of least resistance? 
when it comes to our faith? Are we following the path of most impact? It's the questions that we have to wrestle with this morning. You know what? God desires all people to be saved. This is the reality of Scripture. He wants everybody to be saved. Paul wrote this again to Timothy. He said, I want all people to be saved. But we know that not all people are saved, right? We understand that. See, does God get what he desires? He works through us. This is the mystery. Does God get what he desires? We know that not all people are saved, but he's saying to us, you're part of it. Be on mission. Be all in. So let me just ask you a couple of things. First of all, as we think about this closing statement, we're called here to go where it might not be comfortable. Where is not comfortable for you? Where is it not comfortable for you to go? Is it serving? Because that sometimes is the first step. Is, is it being a part of the family here and actually serving, you know, as a greeter maybe or in children's ministry or wherever it might be? Take a step. Start the journey to be all in. Is it reaching out to your neighbor or somebody in your workplace? Or, you know, what, what is it? What is it that makes you most uncomfortable? Talking about your faith? Take a step. It's time. Learn it. It, there's a process. You're not just going to know it automatically. Don't think that people just wake up one day and have this. They have to work on it. That's why Jesus says, teach them to obey. There are people here that want to teach you how to obey all that Jesus has commanded you. It's a process. Don't take the path of least resistance. And so that we can welcome people who are different than us into the kingdom because people are, there's a whole bunch of people out there that are different from us. And you know why they're primarily different than us? Because they don't have Jesus. See, we can, we can talk about all our differences ethnically and all that, but the real differences we're talking about are those that have Christ and those that don't. And this is, this is, this is what it means to be all in, that we, we're all about reaching out to those people. You know, there's a lot of things that, that keep us from that. And you have barriers. I have barriers in my life that, that keep me from it. One is risk. I, I don't want to be a risk taker. Like we talked about that a couple, three weeks ago. It's hard to take a risk. Are you fearful of risk today? Jesus is a victor. He's already won the battle. Don't miss out on these next steps on what God wants to use you for for that purpose. Are you too comfortable? You know, this, this is our couch from our house. Like We had this couch in our house for 25 years. And, uh, oh, look at that. I found a penny on it. Look at that. Anyway, oh, man, this is a magic couch. You got one of these at your house? Do you? I mean, one that you get into and you go, Wow. So I could just sit here and sleep and take a nap and, oh, this is pretty good, isn't it? I got to confess, I, got, I can get uh, very much addicted to comfort. To be a little uncomfortable for Christ is, is something I like to avoid. He's calling us out of that couch. Get off the couch and go out and do what needs to be done. And finally, you know, sometimes we just pretend that it's not happening. I mean, that people, all people are going to go to heaven. Don't let these barriers keep you from this next step that you need to take. I don't know what it is. And, and that's one of the challenges of this message to challenge you. Is like, I don't know what you need to do next that you can be more fully living as a disciple. I did put a little survey, a little assessment on your sermon notes card. You can take that and I'll interact with you on it. I'd love to do that. 
See, here's the, here's the thing. The number of people is not going down. It continues to go up. Even while we have sat here today and looked at this pas- these passages, the, the population continues to increase. Now up to over 7,544,547,000. Let's go for the all. Would you join me? Let's go for the all. Can I get an amen? amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for some moments today that we could talk about being on mission for you. And uh, we pray that you would stir us up, continue to stir us up, that we'd be all in. Lord, you know what, know what needs to happen in our hearts and pray that you would, through the power of your spirit, would do that work right now. Just to help us take another step towards you and your mission that we might be all in. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.